0: Rashi tells us, as does the Medrash, as does the Sifri, as does the Gemara, that Hashem rewarded the Jewish midwives in Egypt for saving and looking after the Jewish babies when Paroi had told them to, God forbid, kill them. question is, what is the kind of reward that would satisfy a righteous Jewish mother? It's Rashi's insight that helps us appreciate what exactly that reward was and how it is midah, keneged midah, perfectly suited to the sacrifice that they made. Even Pasuk, The Pasuk tells us that when the, the um, midwives showed their fear of Hashem, Hashem made homes for them. Straight Gomorrah Gemara We'll start, first start with the Gemara Sota, which is well known. Rav or Shmuel, there's a debate between Rav and Shmuel. Who exactly is this referring to and what were they given? Chad, Omar, Kihun, One opinion is that the houses they gave them were houses of Kohanim and Levi, which would be their legacy. Malchus, whereas the other says royalty would be their legacy. The one who says that the reward was houses of Kohanim and Levim, that's because their children would be, Yochevet's children would be, Moshe and Aaron. And the one who says their legacy would be kingship, that's because David also traces his lineage to Miriam, who is one of the midwives. That's the Gemorrah. Let's have a look at the Sifri. In Sifri, Botim eilu einu yadam ahem. I don't know what houses here the Torah is referring to. Then, much later on in the book of Melachim, where it says about Shlomo HaMelech, after he completed building the Beis HaMikdash, After 20 years that Shlomo HaMelech built the two houses, which ones? Es Base HaShem, the house of Hashem, which the Sifri says, Zoy Kohuna refers to building the house of Kohanim. And then the Pasa continues, Ves Beis in his own palace says the Sifri Zoiham HaMalchus. That refers to building a lineage of kings. Zochzi Yecheved L'Kihuna, and Miriam the Malchus says the Sifri, very similar to the Gemara, Yecheved built the lineage of Kahuna and Miriam the lineage of kings. Now let's see Rashid. If he said, actually what Rashi says leaves us questioning. He quotes those words. And his explains that it means this: It is houses of Krihanim and levim and kingship. They're all called houses. How do we know this? Quotes that Shlomo built the house of the king and the house of Hashem and the house of the king. Koheno and was the lineage of Yecheved Kingship is the lineage of Malchus, uh, sorry, of Miriam. and he says you can see that in the Gemara Sota. von Rashi. That sounds like Rashi is actually making a contradictory comment over here, because on the one hand he says sai un sai Malchus. He speaks about both Kohuna and Malchus. V which is the way the Sifri proposed it, as opposed to the Gemara that had two opinions: either Kohuna or Malchus. On he feel Gemorah voice the Vas Vudasin Day Deus be She B Machleikus. Doesn't say like in the Gemara that there's two opinions. And then the pasuk he quotes the Pasuk, Espay Sashem, Espace Sam Elach was bringtzach in Sifri, Abh Nit and Gimora. He quotes the Pasuk from Elachim, which is the Pasuk that the Sifri brings. The Gemara doesn't quote this Pasuk. Then Gimel is a kuhun or vi'i Then he tells us that the the lineage of Kohanim and Levim comes from Yehvenu Malchus me Miriam, and the lineage of kings comes from Miriam. Also, V in Sifri, so it sounds very much like Rashi's based his commentary on Sifri, not V in Gemara, and completely different to the Gemara. Was For it from Levi because the Gemara doesn't tell us who the mothers of Kohuna and of kingship were. Actually, all the Gemara told us was who were the people who would be the heads of those households. That, according to the opinion that it's referring to Kahuna and Levia, it's referring to Arun and Moshe. And the one that says that it's also the lineage of kings, that's because David also traces back to Miriam. In other words, focusing on the people who are the heads of those households, not their mothers. So Rashi seems very aligned with the Sifri Yet Rashi leaves a bombshell at the end of his Pirush where he says, like quoted in rather than telling us from the Sifri. So Rashi words his commentary like the Sifri and then quotes back to the Gemara in Sota, <coughs> which does not seem to make sense. We'll deal with the first question quite easily by saying, well, depends which view you go with in the Gemara, right? The first question that we ask is Rashi is speaking about houses of Kahuna Levia and Malchus, yet the Gemara said either or. Depending on which view you go with, in the machlekes so that we can resolve by looking at what the commentaries tell us about the debate in the Gemara, particularly in the Marashah, as in Z, as Z is totally in the Friedeke Pruktah for Rav Shmuel in Gemara dort. This debate between Rav and Shmuel about who were the houses of uh, that they would give, in other words. Was it or was it Malchus? That's directly related to the preceding debate between Rabbi Shmuel, Dorat Yalde Yaldasanya Given, which is an argument about who were the midwives. One opinion says it's a mother and daughter Yecheved and Miriam, and the other opinion says that it was a mother and daughter-in-law. If it's a mother and daughter it's Yecheved and Miriam, whereas the opinion that says that it's a mother and daughter-in-law it was Yecheved and Elisheva, not that Elisheved was necessarily her daughter-in-law yet at that point. So therefore, the opinion who says that it was a mother and daughter-in-law is the opinion who says what was the legacy? Kohuna and Leviah. Kohuna from Elisheva, who married Aaron, and levia from Yechhevet. Whereas the other opinion that says that it was a mother and daughter, that's the opinion that would highlight that there's a lineage of kings here as well, from from Miriam, because there would be the possibility of the lineage of Kohuna and Leviah from Yechhevet and of the kingship from Miriam. Now Rashi's already told us who he believes the midwives to be. He goes with the view that there was a mother and daughter. Miriam. So therefore it would make sense that Rashi takes the view that there were two lineages, actually three lineages, Kahuna, Leviyah, and Malchus, and that would be perfectly fine. So we could resolve that apparent distinction between Rashi's Quote from the Sifri and what the Gemara actually says, but we still have the big question. The other questions about the pasuk that he quotes, and the main one, the fact that Rashi specifically says, as it says in Sota, even though he seems to base his commentary on Sifri. That, Afal people says, derived from Posek's Brensech and Sifri, even though Rashi is basing himself on the Posek, which is quoted by Sifri, and also uses the words of the Sifri that the lineage of Kuhuna comes from Yechevet, which is completely different to the Gemara that focused on the heads of those households. Aaron, the father of Kohanim, Moshe, the father of Leviim. So, why is it that Rashi seems to give us a hodgepodge of commentary over here? quoting the Sifri, and then telling us to look in the Gemara. Also, a few other questions we have to look at. Let's specifically hone in for a a second on the question of the source that Rashi brings to illustrate to us that houses over here refers to houses of Kuna and houses of Malchus from the Pasuk of Shlem HaMedach, building a house for Hashem, the base Amikdash and his own palace. Aleph, Rashi Taishtoch Tachva Yaslem Botim, Listen to how Rashi explains the words that Hashem made for these midwives houses. Rashi's not translating that as physical structures, actual physical houses. He's talking about legacies or lineage, the line of kohanim or of royalty. In other words, Rashi's interpreting the word bias in this pasuk as households, lineages, pay. Uh, uh, Families Why then quote the possek in Which actually seems to Disagree with what Rashi is saying He's talking about a possek Where the Torah is telling us The Tanakh is telling us about how Shlomo Melech built an actual structure called the And an actual structure called his palace So how could that prove to us that Batim means families and legacies Number two, Beis. There are so many other choices that Rashi could have used to prove that Batin means families or legacies. First of all, we can find Psukim that speak about the legacy or the line of Kohanim and Levim as a house. We know clearly that those, that Apostle Continuum is not talking about a physical house with Kohanim inside it or a physical house with Levim inside it, no bias, fundi, It's referring to the family, the lineage, the the family of Kohanim, the family, family of Levim. Why didn't Rashi rather bring that pasuk to prove his point that Bate means legacies and families of Kohanim, Levim, and royalty? And now there's by Bate Malkus. If you don't believe that you could use the word bias to refer to a lineage of kings, here's the proof. The Passock says that, uh, that uh, David Amedech should have a established house, house of royalty. As the Passock says, that Hosea uh, says, Listen up, house of, of, of royalty. Shimon Obey's David, this is Yeshayo when he's speaking to Achaz, and he says, Listen up, house of David. He's referring to the royal house, not to the actual physical structure. Or base David Kerlekim, as the pasuk says, that the house of David will be like Hashem. Was in the all the eruta main bias need bias gashmi. None of those pasukim is referring to a physical structure, physical building. Not base mishpachas hamerek, but rather to the family structure, the lineage. I in favol strengthened Rashioti pasukim. Why doesn't Rashi use any of those pasukim? They would have served his purpose. What bias main need kipshutai? Where the word bias doesn't mean a physical house. Those psukim would have illustrated that botim refers to legacies, the lineage of royalty, the lineage of holiness of the Kainim and the Levim. Why didn't he bring those psukim? And Gimel, the other thing is interesting. It's actually going to be the easiest answer for us to resolve. In Rashi Shalifonelun state Vayiven Hashem The way Rashi proposes the posek is and Vayiven he built the house of Hashem and the house of the King. The is so that's not how the Pasek says it. It says that Shlomer had built the house of Hashem and the house of his palace. It doesn't say, where did Rashi get that from? As I say, that would be the easiest answer for us to deal with. So to be we have to understand what Rashi's intention is. The reason Rashi quotes that particular posseg that Shlomer Melech built, the house of Hashem and the house of, of royalty... Is neat as the word bias Rashi is not using that pasuk to prove to us that a bias is not only a physical house, but it is also a household or a lineage. We by the pesukim beisarim beisalei v'borchas hashem me like the other pesukim might have done. Rashid doesn't have to tell us that because in Demis can read the The fact that the Torah will use the word bias and it's not only referring to a structure, but it's also referring to a household, is not news to us. Rashi has already told us in Parashas Vayigash that when the word bias is used in Torah it could also include a person's staff and the members of the family is not locked into only meaning a physical house in fact that's something that is repeated numerous times in the Torah Rashi doesn't have to prove that to us we already know before we learn Rashi that the word bias could be literal or it could be conceptual so why is Rashi quoting that passage from Elohim? Rashi is pointing out something else to us. In that passage. it says that he built base Hashem and HaMelech, teaching us that when the word bias is used without a qualifier, without an adjective, Rashi wants us to know that the Torah will sometimes use the word bias without a qualifier saying base HaLevi or HaMelech. Rashi's point over here is because our Pasuk says Batim without assigning it to a particular lineage. And Rashi wants us to know that it could still refer to a lineage. That's why Rashi wants this Pasuk, because this Pasuk says, habatim their houses, without designating at that point what those houses are. And then the Torah tells us, when we said habatim without a particular qualifier, we meant the house of Hashem, and the house of the king. Therefore, you should now know that the Torah could use the word batim without a specific definition, and we would know that it refers to a household, not just any household, but a special lineage in Judaism, either the holy lineage of Kohanim and Levim, or the royal lineage of Malchus. And that actually should be how it's written in Rashi. There was a printing error or a copying error that happened at some point in Rashi, instead of saying the word Vayiven, which is how the print in most Rashi's is today, it should actually say the word Habatim, and maybe whoever was copying it thought that the word Habatim was in the wrong place, and therefore, and maybe it was abbreviated at some point, and he misunderstood the abbreviation, because the word Vayiven, as it in Rashi, is a The word Vayiven, as it appears in Rashi, currently is a mistake. But the Pasuk that says have batim without telling us what batim. Immediately after saying the word, the Torah, the Tanakh will qualify what the Batim are, Hashem and or that will teach us is moving as the batim stamba a That will illustrate to us that when you have the word batim in a Hasuk without a particular designation, it is likely that it refers to special households or lineages like Kohuna, Levia, and royalty. So it doesn't bother us the fact that in that particular context the description bias was talking about a physical house or a physical palace makes no difference. Because Rashi is not trying to explain that bottom doesn't only mean physical structures. Rather he's trying to explain that when the word bottom is used in the Torah without a particular designation, it probably refers to one of the great lineages of the Jewish people. Once again, It could either be a physical house, like in the Pasuk there. The physical house belongs to Hashem, and the other physical house belongs to the king. So one is the holy house, one is the royal house. Or it could refer to families, and the word botan could equally refer to families. And again, it will either be referring to a lineage of holiness, and or a lineage of royalty, the king's. The question that we do still have to answer is What is forcing us In the simple interpretation of the Pasuk Where is the clue in the Pasuk That the word Batim over here Must refer to the royal house Or the houses of Kohanim and Leviim? Maybe it's much more generic That it's talking about households In the broadest sense which would be the most typical way that you translate the word botim normally, and actually that's what quite a number of the mephoroshim on this Pasuk actually say. So we'll use two of those examples. Um, one is, Aleph, as the Ebeshter hotfah zeh botin botim bashitsun and unratven from paroi. The one explanation which the Eben brings is, Vajaslem botim means that the Ebeshter afforded them houses where they could actually be safe from paroi who wanted to punish them for keeping the Jewish kids alive. So maybe botim just means houses. That's pshat. That's the simplest way. Why doesn't Rashi use that? Or, Beis, as botim domaint, botim mishpokhes. Or you could go with an opinion which has brought in a whole lot of different meforashim, which is that the word bottom over here means that the reward for the dedication of these uh, midwives is that Deibishter allowed them to build their own homes, their own families. Which would make a lot of sense because they helped keep other people's children alive. Therefore, Deibishter rewarded them that they should have children and families of their own. Because they helped birth the Jewish children, and they helped establish Jewish families, so therefore the middle appropriate commensurate reward for them would be to be able to establish their own, fa- their, their own families. Surely those two explanations are far more aligned with the simple understanding of the Pesach than what Rashi is doing, saying that Batim refers to lineages and telling us which lineage, Kuna and Leviah from Yecheved, Malchus from Miriam, say it simply, they had houses to live in so they could be safe and they had families of their own. And why is it closer to the Pshat? If we go over the first explanation, it's much closer to Pshat because we're translating houses as houses. doesn't get more poshid than that. Either literally, physical houses, or the Mishbochis, and even if you translate it as families, that's language that is common in the Torah, and it's still closer to the Pshat. And we don't have to get into the detail of exactly which lineage and family are we talking about. Which would then force us to go shopping elsewhere in Tanakh to find a in to justify it. Why doesn't Rashi just stick with the simplest explanation? And Bayes. Don't you think that the word Vayas that Abisham made? past tense, homes for them is better aligned with what we've just Offered as two potential translations. That at that point in time, or even perhaps before, they already gave them their homes. Whereas Rashi's interpretation says, what is the Vayas and Hashem made homes for them? Something that's only going to happen in the future, and not even in the immediate future. Because one of the options, according to Rashi, is the royal home, That's centuries down the line How do you fit that with the word In the past tense So why is Rashi forced to give us an explanation That botim means over here These legacies Instead of just saying simply Homes or families So the explanation is this The first thing Rashi pays attention to is Let's see the context this pasuk follows a preceding pasuk which says, or Piresh, lamiyaldus. The pasuk says that Ebisha did good to the to, to the um, um, midwives. Says Rashi, Mahu ha What was the good that he did for them? So Rashi links that pasuk to the next pasuk, Vayayaslem bought him, he gave them homes. And Rashi includes the words Vayayaslem in that commentary. Rashi is not only linking what is the goodness Hashem showed to uh, Miriam and Yochevet, let's go with that opinion, which is Rashi's opinion. It's not just linking it because it's in the next pasuk and you need to know that Vayatev actually refers to the next pasuk. By Rashi alerting us to that link, that Debish is doing something uniquely good for them, something special for them, that helps us to understand what Vajasl is actually going to mean. In other words, if the possible let's go with the first interpretation. That what does Batim mean? Debisha gave them houses so they could be safe from Paris' tentacles. Okay? Don't you think the Torah would have used a word like "vayiven" to build houses for them instead of "vayyas," which is not normally a word that you would associate with the construction of a house? he made a house for them. No, he built a house for them. The pasuk is saying "vayyatev." The did something unusually good for them. If all he did, all he did, was provide them with shelter, that should be something which adds goodness to their life. Not just something that removes something negative from their life. Protection is not good. Protection is necessary. Good implies a brocha, something beyond what you expected. But as a If we go with the second interpretation, which is, means that they had families of their own. the to What's the big brocha in that? Don't you remember what period of history we're talking about? Even before they volunteered to protect the Jewish babies, that was a time of population explosion amongst the Jewish people. What's the special brocha to Yechevet and Miriam that they'll have children at a time where everybody's having massive families? That's why Rashi is dissatisfied with either one of those explanations being the vayative. The special goodness and grace that Hashem showed to Jehovah and Miriam. Therefore, Rashi concludes that the word bottom over here must mean something unique, something special. What is special? To build a legacy. What kind of a legacy? The legacy of kings, the legacy of kohanim, Levim. Not just that they had a family, like all the other Jewish people were blessed with a family. Not from Sezainer, I bottom, but that their families became legacies, yes, sir, yes, sir, something far more powerful and great, but the Gehuna, ulevia or Malchus, unique legacies that are everything to the Jewish people. Now, because that's how Rashi is explaining it, that the whole message over here is that David gave them a special brocha of something really, really unique, that's why Rashi takes us back to the Gemara Sota, even though his explanation. Is very much aligned with the sifri there's something about the gemara Soita that's relevant to us understanding what's going on here in order for rashi to drive home what is so special about this view and interpretation is that's why rashi refers to the gemara Soita. he's not just telling us where it is so we know the base of rashi's Commentary because maybe his basis is actually more the Sifri. It's because he wants to answer a question, a very important question about what's happening here. Because if we're going to say that their reward was houses of safety or families, it's the bottom in Gufa Inyan, then we see the link. What they're being rewarded with is aligned with the sacrifice they made. The first explanation is to protect them from Pare. Well, that's obvious because. Paroi is now breathing down their backs because they're saving babies. They need that protection. It fits the context of the story. And Pshita. Like in Sveitan Pirosh, and certainly the second explanation as Bati means, that Bati means that they were given the bruch of establishing their own families, then that suits their avoida. They helped build families, therefore they were rewarded with families. It makes sense. Whereas if you take Rashi's perspective, as is malchus, where the reward that they're being given is that they are going to start these tremendously important legacies of Jews. It sounds like the reward is not specifically aligned with what they were engaged in. There doesn't seem to be any correlation between the reward that De'Hibishtah is giving them, even though it's a beautiful and great reward, with what they did to help keep the children alive. To resolve that issue, Rashi refers us to the Gemara Sota. What is the context in which the Gemara is talking about The reward for heaven and Miriam It's in part of a greater conversation like The Mishnah that tells us The measure or the, the conduct of a person Is matched with the reward or consequence from Hashem and then the Gomorrah goes into detail. The Gomorrah goes through a whole lot of detail about, even the mission does, about Some of them are positive rewards, some of them are negative consequences. What the Gomorrah makes clear is that the response from the Ebeshter matches the exact conduct of the person. Now that we know that, that the Gemara there is talking about how what the Evishtik gives us matches our conduct absolutely. Rashi is using that to help us understand what is so special about the brocha to Yecheven and Miriam that they would start these legacies of Gehuna, Leviyah and royalty. In other words, Rashi is not just showing us how great their reward was going to be. But by referring us to Soita, he's showing us how what David is giving them is absolutely perfectly calibrated to suit in every detail what they had done for the Jewish people. The reward matches their behavior. Why? Because their behavior was not just to save a group of people. The given the achievement of these of these um, midwives by keeping the children alive. It's not what they have as Wasn't simply that they ensured there would be Jewish families. They were ensuring the people who would leave Mitzrayim, all of them, certainly most of them, and as a result, they were ensuring the sustainability of the entire Jewish nation until the end of history. Therefore they needed a reward, not just that they'd have a family of their own. That wouldn't match what they did. They didn't just save families. They built the entire Jewish nation, therefore they need a reward that is relevant to the entire Jewish nation. It's not good enough to, to reward them that they should have families. It wouldn't even be good enough for them to have families who are great people. Kings, Kohanim, Leviim. They built the entire Jewish nation. Therefore, they were going to be the ones who would build legacies of the most important streams in the Jewish nation royalty and holiness they built the entire Jewish people until the end of time, and the Ebesher rewarded them with the most important streams of who would lead the Jewish people until the end of time. And that you only see in the Gemara. Mashenkin and Sifri, whereas if you were to look in the Sifri, you wouldn't see this point. Yes, the Sifri does say that Yecheved is the one who gets Kahuna in her family and Miriam royalty in her family but the Sifri frames it in a specific way what's it? it's framed as proof of a principle the Sifri teaches anybody who draws close to the Elisha through their dedication to Hashem Hashem draws them close as well the Sifri is not focusing on the fact that what the Elisha gives a person is exactly perfectly calibrated to the details of what they did the Sifri is talking in a very broad, generic sense about the person who comes close to the Elisha get something in return. And the way the Sifri presents it, it could apply to all good things that a person does. The Sifri actually quotes a whole lot of different possibilities. He has a person who drew themselves close to the and so the Elisha drew them close too. It's number two, Nital from Basis Sol Also, the way that the Sifri presents it is that something private that happened in Yehevid and Miriam's families, that Yehevid has Kohanim in her family, and Miriam has royalty in her family, but doesn't speak about it in the context of the entire Jewish nation and the impact of the, uh, on the entire Jewish nation. And the don't and Malchus, that's why you'll see the Sifri doesn't use the words that it was houses and legacies of Gunah and Malchus. Because the Sifri is not focused on that point that they are given this massive legacy that would impact the entire Jewish people because they had created the possibility of an entire Jewish people. Rashi gives us an insight that even the Sifri didn't give us. And while we're analyzing the fact that Rashi quotes the Gemara Soter, that helps us answer another question in Rashi. The beginning of the Pasuk is, It starts by telling us that the, the um, Yochev and Miriam, the the, uh, the Midwives, that they feared Hashem. So you would assume if you're looking for midah, then what they did is showed fear of God, so they should have had a reward which is suited to fear of God, surely. And that's not what happens. Well, if you look at the Medrash that does believe that they were rewarded for the fear of God, it's a different reward. It's not families, it's not legacies. So the Medrash gives, based on a Pasuk, gives us the insight that what does it mean that they should be rewarded for their fear of God? They were rewarded with access to Torah, or more specifically, the <laughs> Because Yecheved had all of Hashem, therefore she is the one who brought up a Moshe, who is described as being good. And why is he called good? Because he becomes the agent who shares Torah with us, and Torah is also good, called good, a good lesson. And eventually the Torah is named for Moshe. As the passage says, It doesn't say remember the Torah of God, it says remember the Torah of Moshe, my servant. Or Miriam, who also feared God, says the Medrash, Her reward was to have a descendant of B'Tzalel, who was filled with wisdom, as the Pasuk says, that I will fill him with the Spirit of God, and part of his reward is that he was the person who built the iron that would contain the ultimate source of Torah, the Luchos. In other words, the Metric is saying they feared Hashem, and therefore the reward was associated with Torah, either Moshe, the giver of Torah, or Betzalel, who created the space to hold the Torah. Now from a Pshat perspective That actually seems to match really well They feared Hashem The pasuk tells us clearly That the objective of Torah is to do what Hashem wants And to fear God So Torah is to get us to fear God They feared God It makes sense according to Pshat That the reward for their fear of Hashem Is that they should have had descendants Who brought Torah into the world and of course for Yecheba that would be the most incredible reward that she would have a son Moshe who brings Torah to the Jewish people. Surely this would have been a much better option for Rashi, because then the reward is in the same Pasuk. Right? The Pasuk says, What's Rashi doing? Rashi's splitting it and saying, well, they feared Hashem, and then the reward comes at the end of the next pasuk, where that he gave them houses. would be that Hashem did good to them, Why? Because they feared Hashem, so he did good to them, and gave them the agents of fear of Hashem, in other words, the people who bring Torah into the world. Why doesn't Rashi do that? Rashi tells us why he doesn't go down that route because he's quoting the Gemara Saita. Because when you look in Saita, you will see that that piece of the Gemara tells us clearly that we are rewarded measure for measure, not for our intentions, not but for our actions. And that's clear in that entire Sugya that's something you can see in the simple understanding of the pasuk. in fact Rashi has already told us much earlier in the story of Noyach that you see affect behaviors what's the Rashi's comment the people of the Dura Mabel sinned by doing mass crime or mass uh, immoral behavior so rabo. Therefore, the way they were punished was mass deluge of water. And you know, Rashi has already illustrated to us this principle that midah keneged midah speaks to actions, not intentions, on the river. So therefore, according to the simplest understanding of the passage, it makes sense. It's actually quite simple for us to understand that the reward Hashem is going to offer them, is not really going to be directed at their state of mind, their emotional connection to Hashem, their fear of God, which is all in the world of intention. They're going to be rewarded for their actions, their choices. Seeing as they were midwives. Shifra was given her name because she helped to, you know, uh, clean up and, and, and un- unfold, so to speak, all the, the pieces when a baby is born and has to be kind of stretched out. And Pua was called Pua because she used to sing or hum or, or make noises to settle the baby. In other words, of actions they took. And then they kept them alive. And Rashi says not only did they keep them alive, they they made sure that they had everything that they needed so they could live the best way possible. And by doing that, their actions established the entire future of the Jewish people. So the reward for that is not really going to be that Yochever has a child, who's as of the caliber of Moshe Rabbeinu, brings the Torah to the Jewish people. Or Miriam has a descendant, B'Tzalel, who's able to build the Orin. Because that, that can't be called a bias. A bias is something which lasts. Moshe was Moshe. But then, oh, I'm sorry to Yeshua, he then transferred it to a different family, to Yeshua from a different Shevet. And the same with B'Tzalel. B'Tzalel, there's no longevity to being the architect of the Mishkan. It's a one sort of thing. That's why Rashi using the insight from the Gemara Sotah That a person is rewarded And to all the details of For their actions and behavior Therefore it's clear to Rashi That the impact has to be a lasting impact It can't just be having a prodigious son Or a, a, a descendant who builds the Mishka and this is a great illustration of how the different parts of Torah serve different purposes, and everyone is actually is absolutely precise. And so we'll look at the difference between the Medrash, the Sefri, and Rashi, what they seek to achieve and how it's illustrated in this particular commentary. You see, everything in Torah is absolutely perfect. Let's be honest What was given to Jehovah and Miriam In reward for their dedication to the children And establishing the Jewish community That's a medrash so, uh, <clears throat> so, right? It's a medrash Yet depending which particular source you look at it from It's going to be precise and different Vidosses in Pirush Rashi in Gemara. There's the perspective of Rashi, which is similar to the Gemara. Vidosis in Medrash. There's the perspective of the Medrash, and Vidosses in Sifri. As a to from the state what's beautiful about this is the way that the information is shared is perfectly suited to the mandate of that particular part of Torah. In Medrash, The Medrash, the entire purpose of Medrash is to explain and expound the Torah. So the Gemara Shabbos tells us That the nature of Medrash is that it's very attractive It draws a person in It talks to the world of emotion And the purpose of Medrash is It helps to enhance our fear of Hashem So through the lens of Medrash What is seen to be the greatest asset Of Yecheva and Miriam That they fear Dei Because that's what Medrash is all about building up this emotional attachment to Hashem and a sense of fear of God. And the is Therefore, from the perspective of Midrash, what's the reward we're looking for over here? Torah, Torah, which helps embellish or grow a person's fear of Hashem. In Sifri, although it technically belongs in the greater Midrashic landscape, its purpose is to well, speak halachas. It's all about halochas. Halochas. It's, it's tethered to action. It's So therefore, from the perspective of Sifri, they did something, and therefore they're given people who have roles to do something. A koyen, a king. But from the perspective of Sifri, it's the fact that you did an action that's more important than the details of what the action was. And therefore the Sifri says, you did an action to bring yourself close to Hashem, therefore the Ebusha gives you something of closeness in return. You could be his koi and you could be his king. Whereas Rashi, who looks from the perspective of Pshat, <laughs> Pshat is the most action-oriented part of, of Torah. And you'll actually see a similar thing in the Gemara, because when the Gemara analyzes parts of the Torah, it actually takes a more pshat approach. When you're learning from the pshat perspective, you see that the darshaning and the expounding of Torah is not the main thing. The main thing is how will it translate into action. So if you're focused on action, then you can't just talk about actions in the most generic sense. The details of the particular action that you're taking are relevant. And what the impact of your actions will be, that's incredibly relevant. That's why Rashi is not just looking for the fact that there would be a Kohen in the family, a king in the family, but rather that they would be the legacy of kings, the legacy of Kohenim. And he links it to a Pasuk where the Pasuk is actually talking about the physical structures of a palace and a Beis Amigdash. Because Rashi identifies that the big thing that Yecheved and Miriam achieved was to actually bring Jewish families to life for real. Therefore, they're given a legacy for real. And from Flaw, this is going to tell us an incredible lesson. Okay, let's be technical for a second and say the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu would be the agent of Torah to the world is maybe not precise for Yechevet. But surely, as a Jewish mother, that's got to be the greatest reward that you could possibly dream of. Her child is going to be Hashem's representative of Torah. That's why Rashi is telling us, you know, there's an even greater reward than that. And therefore, for a Jewish mother, there's a greater nachas than that her child is the greatest person in history. And what is that? Building something that is lasting, that affects numerous people and, 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 and brings value to the entire Jewish community. A Jewish mother's nachas is not that she has the smartest, most academic, most knowledgeable child of all. What gives a mother nachas is to establish Jewish legacy. kinder and kinder. The fact that there be not just one child, but many children, and their children, and their children's children. Talmideh, Talmideh, Tamide, many students and the students' students. Help to idisha You know what's nachas for a Jewish mother—that her family is building the Jewish nation. To have children who are bringing the rest of the Jewish community into the conduct of kohenim, levim, and malchus. Which means, what does it mean? Such conduct. That means. Yes, we know that Kohanim and Levim are typically removed or separated from the rest of the community so they could focus on serving Hashem. As the, the expression goes that, uh, that the Rambam writes, that the, the whole scion of Levi, the whole family of Levi, they're completely separated from the community so that they can be totally dedicated to serving Hashem in the base Hamikdash. There's no question that the most elite and the most uh, aloof of the community are the Kahanim because they have to be completely focused on bringing carbonus, etc., doing the Avoid and the Beis Amigdash. As we know, a Kahan has to prevent themselves from becoming impure so they're not disqualified from doing their service. They can't even leave Eretz Israel, certainly not when they're in service. So that those restrictions do not apply to a levi. So what's the lesson for us in this? Every one of us in the way that we serve Hashem, we have a Koyan element. The precious vahavdola, fun, in yona ha'ilam, the fact that we should stay away from the world. And vekus is and be completely focused and connected to Hashem. That's a Koyan. But a levi gate But a levi doesn't live completely connected to Hashem at all times. The Levi travels, goes outside of the holy environment, even goes into a cemetery. In other words, the Levi's focus is, The Levi's job is to reach out and touch the Jew who's not in Israel, not in the Beis HaMikdash. In fact, the, the, the Jew who might be so far That he's in the spiritual equivalent of a cemetery. In a spiritual state of not being as alive as one should. The Levi connects to that person and infuses enthusiasm and life into that person's Judaism. And the Levi has such an impact on this Jew who was so distant... That this Jew becomes completely dedicated to Hashem Like a Kohen or a Levi But even a Levi is not enough Because a Levi is an attendant to a Kohen The Levi's life does have to uh, Orbit around the Beis HaMikdash And helping the kohanim in their Avoider So the Levi also has limitations On how much impact he could have on the world the art of holiness in the Grachan had a gewisse sheicha Even though the lady has the freedom to be able to travel, be always linked back to a place of holiness. The takhlis kavoni is about to pale in the lukum in shadow of the mebishan bcholai inam kolai bat malchus, the ultimate goal and purpose. and This is the ultimate yishnachas. Is to have people who are like kings. They bring Hashem's authority, Hashem's rule to the entire world. And that's the ultimate for a Jewish mother. When her legacy is people, children, grandchildren who serve Hashem in all three channels. and that forges the army that will lead us out of this current golus. This is given as just like it was in Mitzrayim, that by building such a generation, they became Hashem's army who could leave Mitzrayim. They got out of Mitzrayim. How? Because they were built up, they were founded, they were initiated by the Mitzrayim, by the midwives. Who led them? Moshe, by Bishur Melech, who's like a king. And Aaron, who is? Hakoyan. The Shiftam Shevet Levi and the rest of the Shevet that Aaron and Moshe belonged to, which is Shevet Levi, on Yotzin Beyad they led the Jewish people out with an upraised hand, with a sense of victory, with a sense of confidence, came to Yelonu, The same thing should apply in Sashem that we are able to produce children who lead the Yidden out of Golos as Moshe and Aaron did then.